Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Dean Martin epitomized cool. Founding member of the Rad Pack, Dean was a multi-talented performer who was part of the number one comedy act in America, a chart-topping singer for over a half a century, and one of the biggest stars in Hollywood and on TV. He was the consummate charmer on stage and off. Everyone loved him. For all of his celebrity, fame, and adoration, no one really knew him. The film is called King of Cool, and we're joined today by the director of this really fun and insightful documentary film, and that would be Tom Donahue. Tom, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me, Mike. Great to be here. I was mentioning to you before we got started, I lived through a good part of uh, Dean Martin's career, and he was always what you say in the film or what the title of the film is, King of Cool. By the way, I think I need to read the whole title. I think I said that wrong in the intro. Dean Martin, sure. King of Cool. And the same thing. he was. Now, what was it that... Uh, prompted you to embark on a project to bring this to the world's attention once again, how cool he was. Sure. Well, I was doing another, a really fun documentary uh, called Davi's Way, and it ends with a, a big performance at a 100th birthday tribute to Frank Sinatra. And at that performance was Dina Martin. And Dina uh, saw another film I did called Casting By and loved it and asked me if I would ever consider doing a doc on her dad. And uh, I jumped at it. I said, of course, I love that era. I love Dean. And even though I love Dean, I knew very little about Dean. I felt like I knew everything about Frank. I had read James Kaplan's two volumes. He, his life is so well documented. And with Dean, I had yet to read Tasha's book, which is really the only really important source on Dean at this point. So I knew very little, but I knew that I loved the era and I knew that I loved the man. And like you growing up, having seen the reruns of the Variety Hour, I just thought the guy was amazing. And I've always loved Dean more than I've loved Jerry Lewis between you, me and your audience. What's so great about the documentary film, King of Cool, is that we see this amazing talent and we see his ability to kind of adapt to whatever his career called for. His personality lent itself to, to being flexible and amenable. And he seemed like a genuinely nice man. But you ask a question at the very beginning of the film, who was Dean Martin? And as you put it, what was his rosebud? And for people who don't know what rosebud is or what it's, the reference is, it's then you don't know films <laughs> at all. But it's a reference in Citizen Kane to what was motivating Charles Foster Kane in his life. So tell me a little bit about uh, the reaction. Did you expect to get that reaction when you asked those different people? What was his rosebud? Yeah, at first, I think I started with Norman Lear and it was just kind of fun. I said, so what is Dean's rosebud? And everyone would laugh say, oh, interesting question. And then nobody could really come up with an answer that we all thought was probably right. Like one was June Allison, one was Jerry Lewis. So they were all over the map. And it made me realize that nobody really knew Dean Martin or what drove him. So uh, I, I figured that's a really nice framing device to hang our hat on through the film. Because the idea, most 90 minute to two hour bio docs try to wrap up the life in a neat, in a neat nice bow. And I thought, here we have somebody for whom it is really difficult to wrap up in a nice neat bow. 
So how do we tell a story about somebody who seems basically unknowable? What's the device that we use? And I thought about Orson Welles and Citizen Kane and, and what an interesting framing device for the film to go on this investigation and try to find the answer. And we found the answer really organically in, in talking. It was only in the eighth hour of the interview with Dina that we kind of landed upon what we thought Rosebud was. And you'll have to wait to see the film to know the answer. Again, for someone who, to someone from the outside looking in, is all surface. He, I mean, he doesn't feel like he's all surface. But then you, now you, I look, I'm watching the film, I'm looking through it through the lens of who was he. And in, in some ways it matters. In some ways it doesn't matter because he's so he's so entertaining. Yeah, I agree. There's a joy that he brings. I think Josh yeah. Home at the beginning of the film says, when he sings, I can hear him smiling. <laughs> to me, that's the essence of Dean Martin. Is this and, and I've interviewed a lot of great actors and I find they have one thing in common and that is a sense of play and a sense of joy. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I don't feel that in Frank Sinatra, though I think Frank Sinatra left a greater legacy of music was a greater musician than Dean. Uh, and yet I don't feel the joy from Frank that I feel from Dean. That makes me like Dean more than Frank. Yeah, that's a great observation. I I, I would agree with that in the sense that uh, Sinatra had a beautiful voice. He cultivated it. He trained his voice. I know that we see in, the, in this documentary that Dean practiced his craft to the end. Meaning? Hmm. Yeah, meaning it wasn't as spontaneous as it seemed. Right, right. But once Dean got to a certain age, I think by the time Dean got to the variety hour, he decided that he, he had the freedom to be more spontaneous because he really owned, I think he had a lot of confidence about his ability to be spontaneous. And he had a lot of success in the background based on that level of spontaneity. So I think he, he like a lot of actors, don't want to over-rehearse. And although we kind of debunked the myth that on the variety hour, Dean never rehearsed. He just came on set and did it, made a lot of mistakes. But the reality is in his dressing room and on the golf course, he watched taped the taped rehearsals throughout the week. So he was very aware of what he was coming into. He just wasn't relating to anyone on set until the day he walked in. Which really fits his character as we get, as we get to know him as someone who is spontaneous. Let's go back in time for people who have heard the name Dean Martin, have some understanding of who he was but let's go back to his roots of where he came from in Steubenville Ohio let's talk yeah. a little bit about how how his early years were and we obviously want people to discover it in the documentary but we I feel like we need to talk a little bit about where he came from sure uh you know Dean was born in Steubenville Ohio in 1917 which had the nickname of Little Chicago this is before Vegas so there were a lot of little towns near the major cities that were little, uh, you know, backroom gambling dens, whorehouse dens. And uh, that's where Dean grew up. So Dean learned how to deal blackjack. Dean learned how to box. Dean's life should have been that of a steelworker uh, or, you know, working in the coal mine. But ultimately, that just wasn't for Dean. He had other avenues out. Being a handsome guy with a great voice, he knew he could try to make a life. Even as a C-level crooner, he could get out of Steubenville. And the other option was boxing. A lot of the great boxers were immigrant kids, Irish, Italian, Latino, Black, et cetera, that were making their way up through, you know, punching each other out, basically. And Dean had big hands. Dean was a big guy and he was a natural athlete, which translated later into being a great golf player. Uh, and then Dean broke his nose as a boxer. And ultimately, I thought, you think about the glamorous life of a crooner, Dean in a tux versus Dean being a boxer. And I think Dean... Dean's mother, being a stylist, gave Dean a great sense of style. His father was a barber. 
gave him a great sense of style with his hair. So the idea of being a boxer, I think, was anathema to how he was raised by his parents. And so I think he went the way of crooning. It's probably the easier choice of the two for him. And, and I think he would have been an okay crooner with an okay career. But the moment that luck happened was in 1946 when he ran into and was introduced to Jerry Lewis. And, and something combustible happened there at a certain time in American culture where that combustibility was really needed, that sense of freedom, the brotherhood between these two men that I think recalls the brotherhood that the men felt, the band of brothers in the trenches during World War II. These guys epitomized that and epitomized a certain rebellion against the middle-class constriction of values that were happening in the suburbs, et cetera, Levittown, et cetera. Absolutely. And it's hard to overstate just how huge Martin and Lewis were. In Very hard to overstate. They're number one comedy act for 10 years. They made 16 movies in seven years. That's And not to mention they had a television show for at least three years, and they were doing nightclub acts around the country. And in that period of time, as you described it, just coming out of World War II, people returning to more normal life, returning to the cinema, returning to, and this new technology of television, they really, there were a few others, Milton Berle came along in, during that period of time that really kind of boosted the idea of watching TV for entertainment purposes into a whole nother stratosphere, right? Yeah, agreed. You know, television started out as kind of very stodgy where you just filmed live plays because there was no content for TV. And then this show came on called the Colgate Comedy Hour. And out of the four episodes a month, one of those episodes was uh, Martin and Lewis. And they had the amazing fortune of having their writing team be Norman Lear and Ed Simmons. Norman Lear would go on to do All in the Family, The Jeffersons, Maud, One Day at a Time. He's still around and now he has a Netflix deal. He's almost 100 years old. So I was very lucky to be able to interview Norman. And he has a steel trap memory. There was one point in the interview where he couldn't remember a guy's name. He obsessed about it. And about 20 minutes later, he yelled the name triumphantly that he had forgotten. <laughs> I forget every name. Uh, so that, you know, so what they were able to do was, again, that, that sense of improv and that sense of freedom now translated to the TV screen. Jerry would walk up to that camera lens. It would go out of focus. He would cross his eyes and make fun of the cameraman. He would slap the cameraman. These were things that were not done yet at that time. It was kind of the original SNL in a way. Yeah. And also for a reference for people who don't know what Jerry Lewis was like during this period of time. He reminds me an awful lot of Jim Carrey when Jim Carrey was coming up and sort of the mannerisms and the manic behavior and anything goes. There, there's a to me, there's a through line between Jerry Lewis to Jim Carrey. And and, Agreed. Uh, and people who don't know uh, Jerry Lewis, see the footage and they think about Jim Carrey. Yeah. They don't realize Jim Carrey comes out of this lineage. Yeah, exactly. We're speaking with Tom Donahue. The film is called Dean Martin, King of Cool, and it is all of that. You know, what, what really sold me on working on this was I didn't know at first. I said I really wanted to do it. I read Dina's book and the book was so honest. It made me realize that Dina was going to give me a really honest interview and I would have the, the core of the film could be this intimate look at Dean that hadn't yet been done. Exactly. It's that side of him that we don't know. And yeah. you're right, she's really honest and she's fair to everyone throughout Dean's life, the, the wives, the family, the kind of the environment that they grew up in, the kind of crazy household, this wonderful neighborhood household that they created uh, over the years through all of his families, different iterations of his family. He, exactly. For all the things that we get to know about him, this is the thing I keep coming back to is that he wanted to be part of something greater than himself. He wanted to be part of not only the family, 
but he was willing yeah, to celebrate right. himself in this relationship he had with Jerry Lewis and just all throughout his career. He just seemed like a very decent man. It was never all about him. That's right. And he and he went from creating one family to another family and, and always with a lot of love. And, and that's what I loved about making this. It was a joy to make this film. And, and the more I edited it, the more I got to the end, the more I admired and loved Dean Martin. That's how I felt, to be honest with you. Like I said, I knew of him. I've spent a lot of time watching him on TV when I was growing up. And yes, that's exactly. This is such it's such a cool documentary film. Yeah, I mean, I, it is really it is. <laughs> well, thank um, yeah. Thank you so much. Again, the film it will be in release fairly soon. I believe it'll be a TCM release coming up. What, what I can no, tell you, no, eight p.m. on November nineteenth. Thank you. 8 p.m. November 19th. Be looking for this. What a cool platform and a really appropriate platform for the documentary is. Uh, it really is. Especially Rosebud because of Ben Mankiewicz, the, the grandson of the writer of Citizen Kane. It was pretty cool to be interviewed by him for, about the film. <laughs> Very also, meta. That, that's who did it. That's who did the interview. Yeah, with you. So you'll, if you watch Friday at 8 p.m. on TCM, you'll see me and Ben talking about Rosebud. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> He's great. You know, this is the thing that has, that TCM has evolved over these last few years. The hosts that they're bringing, they've been bringing in true film aficionados and lovers of film. Yeah. It's really, really brought it up from, in my opinion, brought it up uh, a notch in terms of the presentation. I'm, I'm proud that it's on TCM. Yeah, very good. Well, in, we'll in six months, we'll be on a streamer. So look out for it. Uh, I'm not sure who we're selling it to yet, but it'll be seen by even more people in six months. Very good. So be looking for it. Dean Martin, King of Cool, the director, Tom Donahue. Tom, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you, Mike, very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music